This is Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Now, before we all get too excited about Andre being back, I just want to let you know that this podcast was recorded in late December 2018. I am told Andre will be back next week unless he's decided to stay in either Chile, France, Switzerland, Belgium, Poland, England, or wherever else he planted his feet this month. Roll tape. You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Pru. Hello, Michael. I know this. we don't usually record this late, but... Uh, this is the night we spoke with Will Roman, and we had a really great night. That portfolio from Rosewood is... There were some great wines there. I'll, it's I'll really impressive. That. It's really impressive. Really good. Um, but this is actually a bit of a follow-up to our very popular 2018 podcast, uh, VQA Changes, that we were talking about. Yeah, and, uh, and we've, I've, I've talked to a few people, and I know you have too. And uh, not a lot of people know what is going on with these, with these uh, changes in VQA. So I think maybe we should uh, chat a little bit about them again. Um, I don't have the whole list printed out, but but I know that the, you know we're talking about the uh, the change to the VQA name, which I think will allow more um, uh, more innovation uh, to to the VQA and to Ontario wines. Uh, but the one you really wanted to talk about, and the one that I would think well, I was, it's also, I was it's on also the fence one, about, yeah, it's one that you and I, you and I disagreed uh, fairly uh, vehemently with. But and I uh, and I'm still I'm still on my side of the fence, but I am I'm closer to the side as long as we can see. So what I did was I reached out uh, because right after our podcast, somebody said Angel's Gate has been making a wine. Uh, that is multi-vintage, non-VQA. Okay, so, and just to clarify, because we didn't come out and say it, we need to make sure we're not um, Jim Richardsing this up. we got to come out and be, like, straightforward and just get right to the point. The VQA is considering allowing multi-vintage um, wines. wines being made Correct. to be VQA certified. So, well, somebody did reach out and they said, you know what, why don't you check out Angel's Gate? They just opened one and they thought it was really good. So uh, why don't we check it out? So I, I got in touch with uh, with AJ, who's the guy that we talked to when, yep. when we're talking to Angel's Gate. And I said, is it true? And he said, yes, we've been actually making it now. I think this is their fifth vintage that they've done it. And this is called V. And this is the newest vintage of V. Now, V. Is it V or five? Well, they call it V or 5, I guess. Um, but the next one is not going to be called VI, so it's not going to be 6. It will be still V. It is. Uh, they only make about 17 to 18 cases of this per year. It is five varieties. This is now five vintages worth of, of wines. And to make it even more exciting, it's $55. So it is a <laughs> it is a top range wine. This is not something that is and you and, know and Conrad who was here earlier, Conrad Edgevik who was here earlier pointed out that fifty five would actually be LV. Correct. So it's <laughs> LV worth. But now what we're looking at here, I think, is like a Vegas Sicilia style wine. Okay. This is, and Conrad said, it's kind of like a Solera, where we have taken vintage upon vintage upon vintage, and they keep adding to it. They 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 do bottle a certain amount out of the five-year, and then they add again. So the next time they do it will be six years. 
but they they bottle it from the bottle bottom vintage. Do, if, does that make sense? Because we start at the top and we keep the Solera moving down. Okay, so because this is a podcast and not one of your fantastic YouTube videos, which is not a backhanded comment, but you just made the motion of a pyramid with Correct. your hands. So. Correct. So when you start in a Solera system, for the for the <laughs> for the easiest way to do I don't, this, I don't know why I just find that funny, but it's just like you almost said solar system, uh, well, Solera system. So you start with let's say Venus. You, you and I nope, start in, in year one with one barrel of wine, and then in the second year we split that barrel into two barrels and, and you top it with the current vintage, cur- top with the current vintage, and so on and so on and so forth. So this has been done basically for this fifth vintage of. V. Let's call it V for the for the sake of not having to say five a hundred times. And V and five are the same amount of syllables, Michael. It's not easier to say one or the other. It's just keeps me keeps me grounded when I think V versus five. Okay. So uh, I I think you know if if this is the way that wineries are going to go, and making something of interest, uh, then yes, I'm for it. But if if it's going to be a way to get rid of that plonky wine that you couldn't make anything from, you know, you, you, let's say 17, you had some crappy grapes that you couldn't make anything from, so you got to kind of shove it into a corner, you make sure that it's stabilized, and then in 18, you have your crappy stuff again, you throw it into a corner, and you just keep throwing your crappy grapes on there and figure sooner or later, you know, in three years, we're going to make wine from it. Then no, I'm not for it. I don't think, I don't think the the multi vintage is a place to is a dumping ground. It's got to be something high end. That's what I think we're. But, but I okay. I know going back to our discussion, though, I I don't think you are looking at the tree among the forests, though, right? Like seventeen and eighteen are both challenging vintages, right? So what if nineteen is just a stellar vintage and you have a tank of 17 and 18 Cabernet Franc. So 17 that might be a little bit underripe and 18 that might be a little bit watery and 19 turns into a stellar vintage. What if blending all three of those together leads to something that's quite drinkable and, and delicious? It's not going to become a dumping ground. If you make crappy wine from multi-vintages, it's still going to taste like crap. But if you have a but way... But you don't know what but, it's going to be in 19. So when do you stop you know, holding on to that crappy wine. But that's up to the market to decide, right? If I 17 and 18 are both crappy vintages and they release it as 17 and 18 on their own, there's still going to be crappy wines whether you blend them together or not. Right? I'm just staring at him. I'm I know. just staring at him because, look, I don't want to see this being a dumping ground. That's what I'm trying to say. So mm, you mm, mm, you, mm, 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 you mm, pulled out... No. Not yet, not yet, because we actually haven't talked about what this tastes like. Oh, oh. Jeez. And, and I think I've already washed out my glass. And I actually think that that's very important because this uh, V from Angel's Gate for LV dollars, since we're not using numbers for some reason, is um, actually very, very tasty. It is. But, I mean, look, look, five years back. So we, so this is being released in uh, in nineteen in eight, late 18. So it could be so, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13. Correct. So you got or I, I'm, I'm guessing that this is probably... Just wow. given how ripe it is, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12. Because you would have the two monster hot years, 12 and 16, and the sleeper year, 15, and 13 and 14, which were not bad years, but not great years. This is, if it's the sum of its parts, you're taking five Three. good years, good years in Niagara, 
And out of those five, two outstanding and one very good. Yes. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying this wine. I, I could drink this all day. I, I don't have much about it yep. uh, because it is being released probably as we speak. The label is gorgeous on this bottle that we have. It is a plain white label with black marker that says M.Pinkus. It's a little weird that you would have a wine called V without a V on it. Well, I had to write it in myself. It was this is. Do you know what the varietals or varieties are in this? I be, what I grapes believe, are in this. I believe that it's the five Bordeaux. Okay. And sorry, uh, the what? The V Bordeaux. The V Bordeaux. Okay. The V Bordeaux. And uh, I, I really, I really am enjoying that deep fruit, that smokiness, that slightly, um, slightly oxidized, but not in a bad way. Uh, there's some nice oxygen that has gotten into this. Well, wine. and it's it's really interesting because the tannin is already really well integrated, but very approachable. It's kind of, I mean, given the fact that four of the five, if, sorry, pardon me, that IV of the V uh, vintages that are in this bottle, you essentially get something that's pre-aged. And when something you say IV, is, you're always tapping your arm. Well, it's not Chardonnay, and it's not on my table, so table, table, it's table. not on the label, anyways. Um, but Jeez, I mean, this is this is turning into just like a really challenging podcast to keep the numbers straight. But I mean, you're you're looking at a wine that is V years old, so that's definitely pre-aged. A wine that is V years old is already going to be showing a little bit of age, no matter how well correct. it's made in, in Niagara. No, but, but there's a lot of of dark uh, fruit. There's plumminess to it, but it's kind of a spiced plum. Yep. There's there's a dried fruit to it, but it's not overly dried. It's not old. It's not young. There's there's so much going on here that it is it, it is a very complex wine, and that's as I said, that's the kind of wine I want to see from these multi vintage wines. Um, and and maybe you're right. Maybe because it does have three really good vintages. Or I, I, two. I vintages. Um, I'm going to have to talk to your wife and see if I can hit you with a baseball bat at some point. Oh, I've been given okay. Sorry, you're going to hit me with I baseball bat? And and we are now going to take him out at the knees. No, I mean, this is really interesting in in showing the the peak of what would be possible with the multi-vintage thing. I still would like to advocate for stronger entry-level wines, especially when we're talking about the big players, your Pellers, your Arteras, um, your Henry of Pelham, your Chateau de Charme, where you might have a little bit of leeway in making stronger entry-level wines. Not that these wineries already aren't, but, I mean, let's face it. If you go to the wine rack, a lot of the cellared in Canada blends right now are just horrendous. And if this gives them an opportunity to make a stronger VQA offering... they're not going to make a better cellared in Canada wine. No, they're not. No, no, no. They're not going to get rid of the cellared in Canada wine. So... I, I don't want to see the... this thing as a dumping ground, and that's 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 my fear. My fear is that your entry level wine will be the dumping ground for for people who don't understand. Um... See, I think this is where we're just going to have to uh, to to agree that we're looking at this. You're looking at the glass as half empty, and I'm looking at it as half full. I'm not thinking that we're going to end up. With... You're young and have have hope. I'm yeah. older and know better. But it's just like just just to to finish my point for the last time. It's just like. Um... I don't think we're ever going to see like stellar, stellar wine made in the entry level from this, but we might see better 
just just better entry level wines being made if we can bring up the quality oh, of weaker vintages. The hope of the young. Anyways, so we we got another one that this would be an interesting con- and this is this is not this part of the VQA changes, but this is a cool wine from in a skill that I've always been kind of curious about. And and again, because it doesn't have a v- oh my God. VQA symbol, and and the reason is, and I, and I don't think uh, VQA has even talked about. No, I don't even think like, I don't even think uh, that Okanagan VQA and or BC VQA and Ontario VQA are speaking the same language. I don't, but but this is uh, Inniskillen's East West, so it's part of their Discovery series. So theoretically, it is a it's, it is a mix of vintages, but just vintages from different parts of of Canada. And it's Pinot Grigio, which again is is one of those great varieties that uh, that I always find as boring as as uh, as a napkin on a table. But I think you and I have both tasted the the few Pinot Grigios that have or Pinot Gris that have come from BC this summer, and that extra that Okanagan heat just pushes the flavor profile from uh, napkin on a table into more like nectarines and peaches. And I mean, not the most exciting wines on the planet, but still something that. It's the napkin. It, it's the napkin that's been turned into a swan. Do you know what I mean? You know, they see that nice little thing on your table. It's a little bit more interesting. Maybe it's got a napkin ring around it. It's been it's been gussied up. Something that looks really nice. Keep going. So <laughs> I just I'm really loving the but I'm loving the analogy because it's it, it's so perfect. Like um, Pinot Pinot Gris is wedding wine. Yes. And, and you still want to have good wedding wine. You want your guests guests to love it. You want it to taste good. But, but Pinot Gris. While boring is still affable, Pinot Gris is the sort of wine where I think if you and I were holding a large gathering of like twenty plus people, it's the safest bet. You you, you bring up a bottle of Chardonnay, even cheap Chardonnay, you're going to piss some people off or disappoint some people. Depends on how serious your family likes to drink, especially if it's from St. Louis. But that's another story for another day. St. Louis wine is that as bad as that Kentucky wine you opened for well, that no, stump the soup? I, have I never told you this story? Where I was at a, a wedding in, in Michigan, and uh, I'm standing in line, and my, and my wife says to me, please, don't, don't ask them about the wine. Just, just order a beer. And I said, but I have to ask them about the wine. She goes, please don't ask them about the wine. She actually got up, had a beer, and walked back to the table, where I'm sure your wife would have stood right beside you as you said, Madam, where is the wine from? And she said, oh, uh, I don't know. We have red and we have white. And I said, but where's it from? It should say it on the back. And she says, oh. And she turns it over and she says, oh, it's from it's from St. Louis. And I was like, St. Louis? This wine's from St. Louis? I didn't know they made wine in St. Louis. She goes, yes, St. Louis Obispo, which is in California. Why are you looking at me like that? St. Louis Obispo. Oh, my God. St. Louis. It's from St. Louis, Andre. So... It's a true story. True stories are always funny. That's that's the greatest story I've ever heard in my life. Oh my god! Can I can I hear it again? Do you have the time? Okay, so so I'm at a wedding. (laughs) Okay, okay. So let's let's talk about this in a skillet. So let's talk about this in a skillet because um, there is there is a coppery color to this. Yeah, and and it's it's it tastes like nectarines. It tastes up straight up like nectarines, and it's um, it's just it's very tasty. It, It is a very tasty wine. It smells good. I have not tried it yet, but uh, there is a, a, a smell to it that I, I'm kind of digging. Yep, me too. And I mean, it, and it's, it could it's, be, it's, it's it could be that BC heat that, that comes into it's it. It's definitely BC heat. I don't know if there's, there's we, got, we really should look into the notes. I'm sure you have notes from them. 
But there smells like maybe there was some uh, barrel aging to this. I don't think there's barrel aging to me. This is all stainless steel. But but there is there is a coppery color to it. Which Hang is on. Different. Let's check the tape. I misplaced the notes, Michael. But I don't think there's barrel aging on this. I, I want to say there is. It tastes different. It tastes, and I don't think it's just the East-West thing. I, I, I think there's got to be something. There's, there's something. <clears throat> there's, there's something, something about this. Not just something, something, but something, something, something. Well, yeah. I don't know if I would ever want to see VQA expand to include a, a wine like this, but I'm glad that Inneskillen does experiment with something like this. I think there's a there's a nice little spiciness to it. There's there's a hint of um, as you said peach and pear, but like um, that's, that's real interesting. Yeah, this, I think I think I think what you have here is um, is uh, Okanagan Pinot Gris where the acids have started to fall, and you can use that cool climate Niagara zip to pull the acids back up. It's a really interesting wine. That's, I, I'm really happy with that, I, and I and I'm not a Grigio fan. But there's nothing here that says what has happened to this, and that's unfortunate. Lots of fruit notes. I don't. I, you know what I've always loved? I've always loved looking at the back of labels and realizing that uh, whoever made these notes has no idea what they're talking about. Read it. Our Pinot Grigio has strong fruit notes of green apple, pear, and citrus. It has those. I don't get citrus. I do. I get pear. I get citrus. I don't get green apple. It's like tangerine. Do you get green apple? I do get some green apple. I get green apple on the front. Oh, but it's but here's the thing is it's not like fresh green apple. It's that Jolly Rancher green apple. It says it is fresh and light and fruity with a balanced acidity. I get the balanced acidity. I do not get two out of those three. Pear, I got. You, you know, it's something I, I, I don't know if Will talked about it. Will Roman talked about it on our podcast or that was an off the microphone conversation, but... He talked about not putting a lot of descriptive tasting notes on the back of a bottle because you want to let the consumer come to their own conclusions. And I I kind of agree with that. I, I'd like to see fewer tasting notes that give really strong descriptors like this with it mentioning green apple, pear, and peach. And maybe just a little bit more of the story about how it was made. Hey, you know, winemaker Bruce Nicholson wanted to see what would happen if we had some Okanagan pinot green meat niagara pinot green this is the the product of that because then you're not leading your consumer along i'm also sick of reading um tasting notes on the back of a bottle that give like a really uh sorry it's going in the swear jar but like bullshit food pairings like oh this would go great with pistachio encrusted um uh pesto chicken breast with i've always been a fan of of when you're talking about food and wine is to you know, eat something with it, drink something with it, and if it goes together, great. If it doesn't, you know what? Don't put them in your mouth at the same time. Of all the years that I've been doing this, Andre, I can count on this one hand and probably take away two or three fingers the amount of times I have had such a, a life-changing food and wine pairing. And Andre is thinking about his now. I think I'd have more more fingers than that, and I'm but not. You, but would you still be on one hand? No. Life. I'm talking about life changing food and wine pairings. Life changing things that make you go, 
holy that is the best thing I've ever had in my life. I think I, I think I'm still saying fingers and toes. I but there's just there's certain things that I think just go really well together. But I spend I spend I, I think we could probably agree that I probably spend more time thinking about wine and food together than you do. I you think you do. I think more about wine. And then I'm I'm just food food is is a sustenance to keep me alive. I'm happy to have it. I really like good food, but I am not always looking for the perfect pairing. I think you are. I am always for the perfect pairing. And 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 I would say to you this: I uh, once had a great pairing of a, a an Ontario red and a pizza that I thought was great, just absolutely fantastic. It was the, one of the best pairings I've ever had. And then two weeks later, I went. You know what? I'm going to recreate that because that's just what I feel like tonight. And they did not go together at all. So it's, it's it's more about a mood than it is about what goes together. That definitely impacts it. You know what? I think on that note, I'm Andre Proof from underwinereview.ca. I hope you've enjoyed this rambling, but um, we were just doing a deep dive on the potential changes to the VQA, and I think we see there is some real potential to it. And uh, I think sometimes we just like to get behind these mics and just talk to each other like we talk. We need to get Normally. Thomas on for one of these where we just talk about nothing, see where it goes. Oh, wait. No, we do that once a that year. Would be, that would be three hours long. Yeah. I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com. Subscribe uh, to this podcast. Leave a review. Hey, I've, I've noticed that on iTunes, some of you f- have left others in the second swear jar. Some like one and two star reviews. So we could use some more five and four star reviews because uh, we're better than one and two stars. What? Yeah, I know. Damn. Good night. That's one swear jar for you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.